I'm James Hayes and you're very welcome to episode 8 of the Sideline Cut podcast. On this week's show, we, dis- we discuss Man City's two-year European ban and what's next for Pep Guardiola's men. Should Jack Grealish be in the England Europe- Euros squad? We discuss the Irish invasion of the US Major League Rugby. We have our weekly sports roundup. Joe will be here with another historic sporting tale. Dylan will test our sporting knowledge with this week's Bamboozled. And we will finish with Take 5, where you get the chance to take on our experts in our weekly prediction competition. Remember, as always, you can check us out across all our social media, at sideline underscore cut on Twitter and Instagram, and at the sideline cut on Facebook. You can also email us on sport at the sideline cut dot com. How are you, lads? Well, James, how's things? How are we getting on? What's the story this week? I suppose straight off the bat, let's jump into the Man City conversation. Um, yeah, let's do that. Uh, Two-year European ban. Uh, looks like a pending Premier League investigation as well for breaches of financial fair play. Um, a lot of talk that they're going to lose everything from players to retrospective points deductions to potentially losing some of the Premier League titles they've won. So, so what exactly... Financial fair play. What exactly have they done? I know. I know this dates back to what two thousand and twelve to two thousand sixteen. Yeah. So it's basically they're spending more money than they're getting in. Is that that what like? That would kind of be the long and the short of it, really. Um, there's other allegations that they've falsified books. Wow. Well, I guess that would be. I mean, only kind of speculating that if they were in breach of FFP and they knew they were in breach that they made books to make it look like they weren't which that becomes a far more serious offence like there's going to be people go to jail if that happened um, well yeah so they're going to appeal it anyway because well if nothing else the appeals process will kind of lengthen yeah they might get away with the ban for another yeah they might year. be able to kick it two or three years down the line because you're talking about the court of arbitration for sport and potentially yeah. the Hague then because their logic is that UEFA were basically judge jury and executioner Mm. which well, they, they are, were but, they are, but it's also their competition yeah. and their set of rules that everyone agreed to it's their job yeah um, so from a from a point of view of the money conversation I suppose it's the rules were brought in when all of these big multinational corporations and big rich guys from Saudi came in and decided to take over clubs and pump all their money in and this was UEFA's way of fighting that and keeping everything even yeah, no, I heard Gary Neville speak about it quite a bit and he raised some very valid points because he's a part owner at um, Salford City as a lot of the United's class in 92 went in and bought that and they're doing very well. But they wouldn't be able to without the investment from the ex-players in this case. But like, if owners can't invest into their teams, then there's just a status quo that's always going to be maintained. Like, like Everton are looking at Liverpool. And if Everton can't get foreign investment coming in, they're going to forever be looking up at Liverpool. And Man City would have been in the same situation. So I think while none of us really like it, like we never, none of us liked when City or when Chelsea suddenly splashed all the cash and got big and then City did the same thing. But I think in a way it's good for football. Yeah, but done the right way. So like, I think everyone is expecting you know clubs to get bigger by investment here there and everywhere but so long as the investment is into stadiums it's into pitches it's into academies it's into like the investment can't all be into players yeah and and that's i think that's where maybe the ordinary guy like me you or dylan just don't know whereabouts it's it's going to you know we don't know the ins and outs of the rules and like we see City spending ridiculous amounts of money on, money on players. You see the same from Chelsea. Like, look at the other side of it where Liverpool have the investors, but they're still buying players at good value. They're buying, buying the right kind of players. They're spending when they need to, but they're selling the players to get them that money so they can spend it. So where's, where's the line drawn? Well, for one thing, I think Man City have actually put a lot of work and investment and time into the community and... You into can, training can, facilities you they can have, see that from the amount of fans that go to their games uh, yeah but I think Chelsea still have that problem like you can't buy support and especially I think we saw at the West Ham game last week it was a rescheduled midweek game so I kind of give them a little bit of leeway on that but I think like these rules are obviously brought in to try and reduce the, the excess spending like 
the over the top lavish mm. spending the the PSGs of this world who yeah. by the way are probably next for a UEFA investigation well, on that front well you probably you're going to have PSG Real Madrid Barcelona have to come into that conversation as well well the thing with those two teams is they have the revenue streams already they have that global support yeah. like I mean we've all seen that pretty much every South American or Spanish or Portuguese player that comes to the Premier League and becomes a top level player they go to Real Madrid or Barcelona yeah. it just happens because everyone in those countries grows up watching them yeah and you'll see the likes of Liverpool and Man United and maybe Arsenal and Chelsea to a slightly lesser extent but again they have that global following that other teams below them will never be able to compete without the investment yeah so what it's so it's interesting there uh, the investigation it started in May and then a month later AC Milan got a one year ban for overspending yeah I heard about that actually AC Milan got a one year ban from Europe as well this year which I think they'd already qualified for the Europa League, so they just took a, took a hit on that. Yeah, I think so. That's the thing with City as well. If they can get the two-year ban reduced to one, it might suit them. They focus on the Premier League next year. We know they're losing a couple of key players. They're going to lose David Silva, uh, Aguero, touch and go, whatever he wants to try and chase down. Wayne Rooney in the all-time Premier League scoring yeah. charts. But we know David Silva's gone. They might lose one or two more, and it'll give them a chance to rebuild their squad a little bit and focus on the Premier League next year, which they'll be looking to, to win back off Liverpool. Yeah, well, there's, there's talk that these players might actually have the opportunity to leave for free. Like, there's not a huge amount of rebuilding can be done if you haven't got the money coming in from selling players as well. Like, so no, and like that's so. What do you do in that case? Do you think? Like, I think if they can get the ban reduced to one year, I think that's kind of their best case scenario right now. But then there's the worst case where Premier League investigate them, they deduct points retrospectively, they could lose possibly two Premier League titles. Yeah, and, and then you're looking at possibly. In theory, they can be relegated to League Two. Yeah. If that happens, you, you could be looking at a new Leeds United because I can't see the owners sticking around. I can't see too many players sticking around. No, Pep won't stick around. No, I don't see why he would. I mean, I guess you could say he owes it to them in a way, but also, yeah. is he going to spend three, four years of his career trying to get Man City back up the? You, you couldn't see it. Back up the leagues. Can't see him going away to Colchester or Crawley Town. On a Tuesday yeah. evening, if yeah. uh, if Man City were win to were to go on and win Europe this year, would it be kind of tainted? I think it would be, unfortunately. Even though, like from a football point of view, and I think it was Klopp was asked about, it, he was like, "I feel bad for the players because they weren't the ones that did this. They came in and they played brilliant football for mm. the last few years, and they won those Premier League titles. Um, and if the off the field stuff takes away from that, I think that's kind of harsh on them. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think it will." It won't reflect well on anyone in UEFA if City do go on to win the Champions League. So they'll be praying for Real Madrid to go through. It's interesting to see the the list of players that Man City bought throughout this period as well. They were, weren't your greatest players in the world. I think Scott Sinclair was, was a name on the list or something like oh, that. Scott Sinclair would have been Wilfred Boney off Swansea. Oh, there was Jack Rodwell. A lot of poorly planned investments. Yeah, a lot of them were kind of what we've seen Chelsea do a few times where you're signing players just so another team can't sign them like Chelsea have done it with countless players yeah what what is the story this, this covers 2012 to 2016 yes is there a chance another investigation or further investigation could throw over more problems from 16 to 19 or has that been cleared I'd say it's quite possible I, I don't know if it's been 100% cleared yeah. and like that the Premier League still have to launch their investigation so they could they could have slightly different time parameters yeah. on their one to UEFA's investigation you say you're looking at potentially the 11-12 Premier League season mm. if there's any points deduction they only beat United on goal difference United will take that title Liverpool two years later lost by two points yeah. now they won it again in what 2018 I think they won it by like 19 points so that one should be safe yeah. but the other two Gerard Slip and Aguero's famous goal both consigned to being fairly irrelevant. Yeah. Uh, like, if Man City get away with this, how do the likes of Chelsea, now, different story, but still a one year ban from signing players and upheld that they couldn't sign any players and now find the other, how do the likes of Chelsea react if City are cleared of this, if an appeal works? Mm. 
two different circumstances, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, I think it's more because Chelsea's was more to do with signing how they were tra- signing players. Right. Okay. In terms, of, we all remember the the Gale Kakuta thing where he was, you know, they contacted him illegally and all this, and it was a big thing. Not just Chelsea; a lot of teams were doing it. Barcelona had their transfer ban because of it. Yeah. But of course, Barcelona got away with their transfer ban. Barcelona seem to get a lot away with a lot of teams. Yeah, we yeah. saw there last week they signed um, Martin Braithwaite from Leganes and on a he, short-term contract. Yeah, because they had injuries, so they applied to La Liga for an emergency signing, and then Leganes went and applied to La Liga to see if they could replace their top scorer, who had just been taken to Barcelona, and La Liga refused them. It's interesting there because Barcelona sold two strikers in January. Yeah, knowing that they had another striker out injured. Yeah. Yeah, it seems to be one rule, especially in Spain. It seems to be one rule for very much the, so the top two, and then another rule for everyone else. I remember when Barcelona signed Suarez; he was banned from all footballing activity, and Barcelona were supposed to have a transfer ban for two years at the time. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It's going to be interesting to see how this plays out and how quickly it happens as well, um, because I suppose Man City are going to need to know fairly quick. And for the Premier League, like it opens up the qualification spots like if Man City are to finish second it means fifth now qualifies for the Champions League and it would which is currently Tottenham Sheffield United in the mix as well helps Man United out as well yeah, and even Arsenal after another win are back in back in touch and distance there you know yeah they're up to 10th now um, I think speaking of Arsenal like they're the only uh, the only team to get a win in the European games this week the only English team or Wolves as well sorry have missed out on Wolves, Wolves oh, yeah, from the Wolves. Europa League um Liverpool losing to Atletico Madrid? Um, yeah, watched the game. Um, opening goal, what, three minutes in, was um, slightly unfortunate for Liverpool, a bit fortunate for Atletico, but then as soon as they got the goal, top-class organisation. I, I know, know there was antics and there was diving. and the, but like that, that was my next question. If I, didn't, I didn't see it again. Was there a lot of play acting on the part of oh, the... There was, yeah. But that's Atletico. Like anyone that is pretending to be shocked or surprised by this is just ignoring football for the last few years. That's how they were going to do it. They were going to be compact, aggressive, and they'll try and run down the clock by any means necessary. Liverpool were crazy poor for that goal, though. It was like they had never defended a corner before in their lives. It seemed to kind of just ricochet off Fabinho. Just fell right into the path of Saul. Then right in front of the keeper, he couldn't miss. But like once Atletico went ahead that early they were always just going to sit back and they're comfortable doing that they don't yeah. mind doing that at all so I I don't know a lot of what do you reckon about going back to Anfield do you reckon Liverpool still oh, I'd be fairly confident yeah because I think the atmosphere that the Atletico fans made was hmm. immense Okay. so I think that helped Atletico quite a bit but I think back in Anfield then it's obviously the shoe was going to be on the other foot like any worries about Liverpool for the remaining games of the season I mean no. the Norwich game was poor Came in and you lose Atletico. Any worries no, on that front? Not in the slightest. Okay. Um, I, I think even if Liverpool play quite poorly from here to May in every single game, they're still going to wrap up the league that's quite comfortably. It's a, it's a very poor league they're playing in. I would disagree. They're they're at, they're just pulling the Leicester on it now. In my opinion, they're winning a very poor league. I w- I would strongly but disagree. Coming out of a Manchester United fan, that's a very poor Manchester United team. They're. They're after having two defeats now in Europe. I think that's proven that the, the Premier League Two defeats in Europe. Oh, what, a 2 0 defeat away to Napoli, managed by Carlo Ancelotti with three European Cups under his belts, and a 1 0 loss away to Diego Simeone, who's never lost a home knockout tie since he was at Atletico Madrid. Is it still a very poor English league if Liverpool or another English team go on to win the Champions League? It'll, uh, that'll tell a different story. That just means maybe Europe was a, uh, was a little poorer, I don't know. Houston starting to hit wow. the on the ground. Wow. I think like we're all have four to. teams in European <laughs> competition to. were English last year. We're going to have to mute his microphone if he keeps it up. Hey, someone just has to give a different <laughs> point of view. Um, Spurs in Leipzig last night? Um, yeah, I didn't see it. I heard Spurs were not great. Seen the second half, terrible. <laughs> yeah. Um, but having said that, Leipzig look, look good. They're a good more. team. You know, we've seen them play against against an incredible Liverpool team and do well twice. So, <laughs> no comment from across the table. Um, any other football news that we're thinking of? United had a big result there yesterday as well. Yeah, United yeah, did one all the way to Bruges. Uh, yeah, they beat Chelsea in the league though at the weekend, which was big. Got them back in touch for fourth place. 
Yeah. Bit of VAR controversy again. There was, yeah. Just gasped by all together. Did you see Chelsea. it? Yeah, couldn't get a hop of it at all. What did you think of the, the Maguire one? Was Oh, that hey, that should have been right card every day. Yeah, I thought that Every too. day of the week. If he was... As this, yeah, if he was in English, he'd have been off. Yeah, I'd say so. Still, but big win for United. Did anyone see it correctly? Or like, like how... How did he justify a yellow and not a red? Well, that's the thing. He had to see it to give a yellow. But then I, I didn't hear the ref's opinion, but uh, I think the yellow Harry, was Harry was saying that he just he, he seen your man coming. He didn't want him falling on top of him. So yeah, <laughs> he put the leg out. So I kicked him into the nuts. <laughs> uh, big game on uh, like the twelve thirty game on Saturday is a big game with Chelsea and Spurs. Big game for all around that area. Yeah, Chelsea Spurs is huge. There's only a point between them now for fourth um, place. So, like, I mean. United, Sheffield United, Wolves all looking for a draw in that one. No one want either of those teams winning really, will they? Yeah, United are at home to Watford as well and Sheffield United are at home to Brighton so you kind of expect both of them to pick up three points. So mm. Chelsea or um, Tottenham could lose out big time tomorrow. City, City, the battle of the two cities, Leicester City and Manchester City on uh, on Saturday evening then. Yeah, the race for second place. Mm. See how that one goes out. The best of the rest, I suppose. Yeah, exactly. Show me a runner-up, I'll show you a loser. <laughs> um, yeah I suppose the other question that popped into my mind during the week was was the Jack Grealish question like watched some of uh, Aston Villa and Spurs on, on Sunday morning um, and Jack Grealish looked a class apart for most of it and has done for a lot of the season now he's probably looks a class apart because he's in an Aston Villa team that's not that great Um should Jack Grealish be in the English squad? I don't think so. Tell me why. Well, I, for one thing, Southgate likes a 4-3-3. Tends to be his preferred system. I don't see where Grealish fits into that. Okay. And I think historically, squads have done better when they pick players to fit their system rather than a system to fit their players. So I just see there being better players who are better suited to Southgate's system. Like I don't, he doesn't make it into a front three with any of what England have up there. So likes of Sancho, Sterling, Rashford, Kane. Like you can't see him competing with them. Nope. As an attacking midfielder, he's still probably behind the likes of James Madison. Uh, Southgate always had a soft spot for Deli Ali, um, Oxley Chamberlain. If he comes, like if he shows any bit of form again, it's someone that Southgate will look to pick because he's picked him before. All of a sudden, he's fourth choice in his own position, and that doesn't make the squad. So, that was part one of a two-part question. Go on. If he doesn't get picked for the English squad, should an Irish manager go after him to pick him for an Irish squad? Not a chance. Bar take away, like take away the the patriotic should, Irish we thing. Blah, worry blah, 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 blah. About, we should worry about qualifying first. That, but that's what I'm talking about. If you do qualify, uh, it's you know, probably it's probably worth a phone call. But I think his mind is also made up because. He knows if he's in the running for the Euro squad for England World Cup in two years' time, if he can continue showing what he's showing now. Yeah, but they're all, the same, they're all the same age, so that's not going to change in two years. I think a player like yeah, him will get picked for the squad. I don't see him getting picked in the starting 11. No, definitely not starting 11. I think he'd be hard pushed to get in the squad. But I think the World Cup in two years, if he gets signed by a bigger team, if Aston Villa struggle. I mean, to be honest, some big team could come in with a big bid for him in the summer anyway. And if he's playing at a bigger team and performing like that, so just talk some say going. Leicester fall away a bit and Madison, say his form drops, all of a sudden there's a spot there for Grealish. Mm. I see there's talks of him going to United in the summer, isn't there? I just hope he's not a spool for her nets. Comes to United and does nothing. Uh, you could only see him being better with play- with better players around him. I mean, like... If United got good players, to do. Well, Bruno yeah, Fernandes seems to be um, yeah, seems, seems to have been a good signer yeah two games in for the Portuguese league wouldn't get carried away just yet he looks a class apart from what I've seen to, to what United's other players have been doing he looked like, well there he managed to hold on to Pogba Bruno Fernandes make another couple of signings I don't you think know. you're going to hold on to Pogba I don't think, mm. I think Pogba's, I'd say Pogba's going to go and Grealish will come in then Pogba joins you would be better off with Grealish than Pogba Pogba joined Pep at Juventus <laughs> head somewhere else I think United are just sick of him and his agent now at this stage yeah can't be worth the trouble for the amount of actual game time they're getting out of him yeah, yeah well, look injuries are injuries um, uh-huh. 
injuries are injuries, like, but it seems like he's kind of more throwing the toys out of the pram than being injured. Like when you look at, say, what's the lad's name? McTominay. The difference in yeah, their desire the, to play. The exactly, United, exactly. It's, it's ridiculous. Like, you know, if he was carrying a knock, he'd be in there trying to get back into the team. Whereas I don't see that in Pogba. I don't see Pogba's agent letting him. I just think he's probably a toxic player to have around the squad. I'd get him out as soon as possible if I was at United. As a Liverpool fan, I'm happy for him to stay. Mm. I think that says enough. Yeah, well, you're probably going to have a lot of teams, a lot of those top-tier teams, trying to clean house now, with if, especially if the Man City players become available. You know, ones that don't want to... Maybe. Don't want to move from England. Although teams like United and Liverpool would struggle to do any business with City. Just City would rather sell them abroad. That where they'll, they'll Italian League could do well. If, yeah, Italian, Italian League, League could, could do very well. If, mm. um, if contracts are terminated, City won't have a choice. No, I think that's, so. a, that's a fairly extreme possibility from yeah. what's currently on the table. True, true. Still a possibility, though. Those contracts come null and void. Oh, yeah. I and mean, if that's the case, the transfer market goes absolutely buck ape. Signing on fees go through the roof. Yeah, because you suddenly have 20, 25 world class players available on free. Yeah. Everyone from Sane to Sterling to De Bruyne. Yeah. Transfer window goes mad. Sterling back Liverpool. <laughs> to be like a, a, ba- a bad game of FIFA, I'd say. Right, I suppose we'll move on. Any other football news now? Uh, no, I think that was pretty much it. Barred the Champions League for Europa League games. Premier League back this weekend now. Very good. Moving on to GAA news. Um, Wexford's hoodoo overkill. Kenny continues. A um, lot of games cancelled last weekend uh, due to the weather. The Wexford Kilkenny one kind of stood up to the test. Um, watched it. I watched some of it on, on Sunday. Um Conditions were shocking. I mean, Wexford were one ninety two points up, um, and Kilkenny came back to draw level with them, one fourteen apiece, and Wexford just kind of hung on. But they seem to have that little bit of an edge over over Kilkenny at the moment. And yeah, they seem to the, do the Davy Fitz effect. Uh, I think Cody was unhappy there at the end with the the added time that was allowed, because there was an awful awful win. I think he only got two minutes in the first half, and Davy got four or five minutes in the second half. I think if, uh, he felt that if the, if uh, Kilkenny had got two or three more with the win, they would have went a few more points. I don't know. I can't. I can't really agree with him to be honest, because it, it looked like Wexford would just get stronger. I mean, it, uh, Kilkenny had thrown everything at them, came back to one fourteen apiece, and Wexford just kicked on from there. You know, like what what stood out to me is Wexford are playing a kind of a a game that's more reminiscent of what you'd see in in football, where they have players just running into space. They must be the most physically fit GA team in the country players running into space and always seem to have time um, you know so it'll be interesting to see I think Wexford are, are they must be favourites for, for the Leinster Championship at this stage I, I'm not giving them any chance in the league really I still think that's that's Limerick's baby but um, like it's good to see you know them yeah. sticking at it that, that last year wasn't that flash in the pan you know yeah no it is great the other side of it is never allow Kilkenny like we never we never uh we never thought Kilkenny would get to an All Ireland last year. Yeah, and true. There they were. So uh, they oh, probably they probably shouldn't have. But anyway, that's a, that's a whole other story. Um, wins for Clare, Dublin, and Cork as well. Clare beat Leash in Jesus ridiculous conditions on uh, on Sunday afternoon. Uh, Cork and Westmead was probably a lot closer than we expected due to the weather. I'd say Cork uh, scoring two penalties that eventually seen him over the line and beat Westmead by four points. Um, yeah, Cork with one three from play. It goes back to our other conversation we're having about you know free takers and whether they're worth their salt. <laughs> Unfortunately, the other night they probably were. Yeah, it was probably tricky conditions as well to be yeah. putting frees over as well. So. I think Patrick Horn got two eight. He had two goals from penalties, seven frees and a sixty five. I was looking at um, he has uh, three twenty four or something scored in the league this year, and out of that he's only got a point from play. That's all they need, apparently. <laughs> um, Doesn't matter anything about it. A uh, lot of games, you said, James, cancelled with the with the weather. Is there anything to be said, maybe, about uh, the GA investing in an all-weather field, perhaps around the Midlands? I read an article during the week where they're looking at one per province. Okay. So the GA are looking at having one 4G 
stadium per province. So whichever one that's going to be, I mean, I suppose in Munster, given the problems they've had with the pitch down in Cork, they'd probably make that one the one. Um, it's been a lot of investment in Cork already, maybe. So yeah, it, makes, it makes sense from from a league point of view, and it also probably makes sense, like you could put two league games on back to back. Now it takes away from the home and away rule, but like do what they do in in rugby league now and have a, have a Super Sunday, or a couple of them, you know. So yeah, I've seen uh, a few people saying perhaps uh, Money Gall or Ross Grade or just off the motorway might be a bad shout to build to build some sort of a 4G uh, field that would allow games on the problem is if you build the 4G field you have to have the stadium to get the fans there and like there's no point in just having a field with hills beside it because if the weather is bad enough that you need the 4G field the fans aren't going to turn up anyway oh, so, but it wouldn't be a bad place to put it there was an old development planned for uh, for Gordon oh. Mona there in Littleton a while back and yeah. that didn't get the old planning permission. But you're right, you're right. I mean, imagine like having a facility like that in the middle of the country. be great for everyone, but it would have to be like you're looking back at the, whole, the old Abbottstown Stadium Ireland thing where it has a closing roof and all that and the pitch would have to be big enough for hurling yet be like you'd have to be able to turn it into a, a soccer and rugby field as well. Maybe I don't well, know. Do you have to? Well, is there an, is there enough games to build a stadium in the middle of the country with a roof on it for just hurling matches? Well, how many games have we cancelled over the weekend? Over the last two weekends, and we could, we could be looking at the same again this weekend. Another storm is seemingly underway. Right, so you're going to use the three weekends of the year. Like, there's a lot of stadiums sitting there half empty most of the year anyway. Like, when I look at Semple Stadium, Semple Stadium had let's let's go with the intercounty games the year before last seven eight nine games because of draws and because of whatever else last year it had tips three home games and not nothing else so like what happens to those stadiums if you do build a national stadium that has to be used for championship games now? do you just say call a halt it all together and move all the games in the summer <laughs> or just accept that the games would be cancelled i see there's, there's a lot and in it there's a there's another discussion to be had i mean like again Go back to last year and the year before. How many games were cancelled over the course of the league? Very little. I think this year has kind of a, been a blip. Maybe you're looking at probably deciding over a five-year period how many games were cancelled and figuring it out from there. Yeah, sure. Maybe, maybe there might be no games cancelled next year then and you're looking at the, exactly. a new yeah. development yeah. that will never be used. a billion euros in a, yeah. on a stadium. You know? so we're a small maybe, we, maybe we do a super weekend and move them all to England for a weekend. <laughs> you have no... <laughs> <laughs> wasn't actually a serious comment in case yeah. anyone's listening <laughs> look at Dylan's face was enough there <laughs> Christ um, I suppose big games this weekend you're looking at Dublin and Wexford um, where in, in yeah uh, Cork and Limerick there for me is the kind of stand up game um, two great teams well, you've, uh, got, you've got the two unbeatens Waterford are still unbeaten as well who play Galway um, and Cork are playing Limerick who are unbeaten both of them you know Limerick and Waterford are looking like the, the top two farm teams when you when you take uh, Wexford out of it. So who knows? Like there's, there's so much that can happen in that hurling league yet. Um, I'm not really giving Dublin any chance against Wexford, but I've been wrong before. And Dublin need to win to kind of guarantee themselves somewhat of a Division 1. Um, I don't know. It's, it's going to be an interesting weekend. Yeah, it should be. Please God, no, um, we'll have no games called off with, that, with, uh, with another storm. But otherwise, it's, it's Cork and Limerick for me all day. Um, I just feel like both teams are extremely... Cork fi- any chance? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I would. I would. In my opinion, they're, they're hurling well and they're extremely fit. Extremely fit. And I assume that's on in Cork as well. Yeah, it's on in Cork. Yeah. Three, three points from play last weekend. Not going to be enough against the Limerick team. But that's a big, it's a big field down there in Cork. I'd say it wasn't half the field above in Westmead. So, I don't know. I, just, I, I do actually, I do give, I give Cork a fair chance against Limerick there. If, if Limerick hit the ground running, I just, I could see eight or nine points in it for a finish with Limerick winning. Just can't see Cork keeping a puck, keeping a puck out to a Limerick team on top form, on top of their game. And they have been. Now, the only thing that is, maybe last week will be good for them if they got a rest, but maybe they'll be a little bit off because they didn't have a game. You just don't know. Yeah, I don't know. We, so. we said we t- we said here the tip would be Cork and then Cork went on 
did help. Yeah, so. with the, the patriotism of that as well, you know. And Cork had been beaten by Waterford as well, remember, which none of us gave us a chance to be at the start of the season. So And that's why we love hurling lads. <laughs> um moving on to the other sport in Ireland, Gaelic football. Yeah, it's um, back again this weekend. Yeah, we had a weekend off last weekend. Um I suppose for me big games this weekend Dublin Donegal and Monaghan Mayo um, in Division 1 Monaghan will be kicking themselves after after throwing away the game against Dublin um, I'm fairly confident against the Mayo side who haven't really hit their stride yet still um, struggling, to struggling to come to terms with losing a few players a few of their stalwarts um, Donegal no easy matchup for Dublin either no no easy matchup there either big men and they'll make they'll make life difficult for the Dubs Probably the only thing is it's a it's a home game for um for Dublin up in up in Croker so, um, and a couple of other games that stood out for me were Tip and Cork in Semple Stadium on Saturday night, um in Division Three Cork unbeaten, Tip, finishing their last game with twelve men against Derry, um, ah, it's just crazy to see the decline in Tipperary football over the last number of years. Yeah, it's it's a strange one. Like, I was in Crow Park to see them play Mayo in the Ireland semi-final three years ago four years ago um, and they should have won that day should have like lost a man very very early to a black card in any tip man's opinion wasn't a black card um, but I didn't ma- even see it and that sounds biased James no I, I, I wouldn't honestly hey get it up on YouTube and you'll see yeah <laughs> um, I don't think it was and it kind of ruined the game's contest like tip played well but Mayo played, keep, played a game of keep ball for the last 15 minutes and you know within the rules of the game but just kind of beat tip into submission by not giving him the ball so like a little bit of what would you call it experience on Mayo's part but tip just have gone downhill since um, yeah, they've lost a few players and yeah they got a few back as well that they were expecting to make a difference the year after but just you know the other game that kind of sticks out for me is Limerick and Wicklow in Division 4 um Limerick still unbeaten. Wicklow beat Sligo last week, so second at the table. So top of the table clash. Winner of that game would probably be expected to go on and win Division Four. So yeah, lots going on this weekend, especially if the if the weather doesn't uh, doesn't break everything. So yeah, please God, Kerry and Mead, their Mead are going fierce poor at the moment. So it'll be interesting to see how they perform. Yeah, didn't big comeback last week against um, Donegal or Mayo that just dropped short. Uh, against um, Mayo yeah but sure then what way was the wind the wind could have been blown in their favour yeah I'm sure maybe they'll be maybe they'll be hoping for wind this weekend to help them out of it the wind's a great leveller in games like that you know look at look at the likes of Westmead competing with Cork last weekend you know it just kind of helps everything out um, but yeah let's hope the storm doesn't get in the way of the sporting action this weekend yeah and then we move on to the big one of the weekend Six Nations Rugby we are back, Ireland versus England. You'd miss it last week, wouldn't you, lads? A little bit, yeah. You kind of expect to have Six Nations every weekend when it's on, don't you? And you forget that there's break weeks in there, and just what am I going to watch now? Like, yeah, no, there was not even there was not even on the telly to watch. That's the thing. Because all, right. all the hurling was cancelled. <laughs> season was only five games long. They take a mid-season break. Madness. They may have to uh, speak to the Premier League and ask them to take the mid-season breaks on a different weekend. Yeah, the, sort of mid-season like. rugby break. Um, just before we get into that, the the Pro 14 was back last week during the midweek break. Um, Munster put 68 points on Southern Kings, a record for um, for Munster in the Pro 14. Um, Connacht beat Cardiff 29-0. Leinster won their 22nd game in a row against the other South African side uh, Cheetahs and then Ulster lost to Osprey just to, to stop a complete clean sweep so yeah that that was like half teams a few of the Irish players were released back to get game time yeah. that have been in the Irish squad but um, I suppose let's talk Ireland-England um, just news that came this morning uh, Devon Toners to start in place of Ian Henderson in the second row and Alton Delang comes onto the bench Henderson is out for family reasons, so uh, big game for Toner. Like having been dropped for the World Cup last year, he's back in the squad. He's been making a little bit of a difference every game, and now he gets his start. It's always it's always um, 
difficult in those circumstances to get a start but look let's let's wish Henderson the best and, and, and Tona the best in his start um, other team news Keelan Doris is back on the bench Max Deegan losing out there um, for England Manitou Lagi starting in the centre Jonathan Joseph has moved out to the wing and Elliot Daly starts at full back with the injured four bank uh, losing out um, Ben Youngs is going to get his start at nine uh, has been doing well coming off the bench Willie Huysens is uh, missing out and I suppose the big one for Ireland is the two Vinopola brothers are still out missing so they'll take confidence from that uh, what are our thoughts lads I suppose like first and foremost it's going to be a massive physical battle yeah I think it'll go down to air as well to be honest with you just gone from A to Z there without discussing in the middle like <laughs> oh sorry sorry no I just I feel like um, I feel like both teams are just so equal across the park that it'll it'll go down to the wire yeah I suppose England going through a bit of bad form suffering a World Cup hangover really after their best performance ever really in beating the All Blacks they kind of got destroyed against South Africa in a, in a World yeah, Cup they, final they kind of peaked in that one a little bit and then lose to France which nobody expected um, came out swinging last week and kind of in the bad weather beat Scotland that was a tough the, win at the debt that was a very tough win yeah you'd, you'd feel bad for Scotland really Scotland have fought hard in two games yeah and possibly could be sitting top of the table but have no like they're, they're now no points finished you know so um, what do England bring England bring you the huge physical battle yeah I think that's it Ireland haven't been able for it the last couple of times they played them I mean they've just been walked all over in the last year's Six Nations um, I don't even want to speak about the 70 points that England put on us in the World Cup warm-ups last year yeah that was that one really hit home to be honest I watched that one it was just they looked a class apart from us well, like physically they just looked a step above look, look, listening to all the coverage this week people seem to forget about it a little bit and and if Ireland even kind of cast off going revenge won't be on our minds like it has to be it's going to be a small bit that's one of those things they say but that hurts yeah like whatever about the Six Nations lot like you competed for a lot of it they walked all over you for a finish they just got the better of you but like you were in touch you concede that many points to any team like especially when you're supposed to be on a par with them that hurts to such a close rival like that's like losing 6-0 to United if you're a Liverpool fan like yeah, even if it's a pre-season friendly, like revenge you will be on the cards no matter what. Huge positive signs from Ireland. I mean, I listened to listened to an interview earlier in the week where um, someone said that it was still going to be a good Six Nations for Ireland if they won their three home games and lost their two away games to Ireland and France. Or to England and France. I don't agree at this stage. No, it can't be at this stage. Like Ireland should not be going out going you know what it's successful if we win our home games and lose our away games I know the home away games are to England and to France but like you want to be winning at least one of those games um, preferably both preferably both and like it's just kind of this defeatist attitude that's been there I think everyone has been talking a little bit down on the Irish team considering Farrell took over from Smith and has been involved since but they seem to have their confidence back um, I, I see they had Bono in during the week mm-hmm. was in trying to give them back their sense of Irishness as Andy Farrell calls it um, hey I hope the Irish let to give Bono back his sense of Irishness <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah like it, it seems it's, it's about you know mentality it's about heart it's about and it comes down to who wants it more in the end especially in the game against between Ireland and England you know I think it's easier for squads in that kind of tournament setting when the pressure is off when people don't expect like Ireland going into the World Cup I think people expect it a little bit too much mm. whereas coming into this on the back of the World Cup being disappointing like you say people are like oh win our three home games lose our two away games that'll be a solid tournament build for the next one I think that takes the pressure off the players shoulders to try and I could have honestly understood that at the start of the season like that that could have been a target right they've played so well so far and they're not getting the credit for it in most you know in most media outlets um like you've got a bonus point win you've got another win you've got like you've got italy coming up at home you've got a chance to go out and throw everything at england who haven't been playing well have to be lacking in confidence i give them a serious shout this weekend 
Oh, 100%. Yeah, you know, like, and, and everyone's kind of seems to be really like England are going to come back. Like, look at look at the two Vanapola brothers. Like, they're two of your biggest ball carriers if you're if you're England. I mean, them missing just automatically you're going out in your head going, geez, I'm not going to have to tackle them 18, 20 times. Yeah. Uh, you look at Sam Curry, who was one of their best players last year in the World Cup, and he's struggling to play at number eight, which isn't really his position. He was he was a seven last year. Um, like, oh, if, I'm, if I'm in that Irish team, I'm like frothing at the mouth. I'm, I'm ready to go and, you know, give it on the line. You know, so, yeah. Yeah, you made an interesting point there, James. The Ireland aren't really getting the plaudits for their for their uh, great work in the last, especially there against Wales. Mm. I, I read one article that said that that's the minimum effort required by Ireland. And that was a sensational result by all, all things considered. Like I think that was a that was an argument between uh, Matt and O'Gara on. Uh, oh yeah, uh, yeah, on, on the penalties. Yeah, 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 it was. It was, yeah. Um, and O'Gara was arguing the point that like it was a great performance and that. You can't expect that going out every day from Ireland. Whereas you're always saying that that's the minimum he expects. Yeah. Go out of that now, would you? Yeah, 100%. And I agree with O'Gara on it again. But most people, and I had this argument in my house, was like, well, it should be the minimum you expect to see. No, you can't expect that to be the minimum. Like, that's a huge performance. You As a minimum, you expect to go out and play to a certain level. That was above that level in, in anyone's eyes, you know. Um I don't know. It's it's good to see like it's good to see the likes of Murray and Sexton like playing their way back into form and been given the chance to. Which, in fairness, you have to give Andy Farrell the plaudits for that as well. Yeah, and CJ sensational. CJ's back playing just the way he was in two thousand fifteen or two thousand sixteen, and he hasn't played that well since. But you got to look at it as well. He got lucky. Like he got to play that entirety of that first game at eight, where he's way more comfortable than at six. Um, Again, he's been there for the last game. He starts there again this weekend. Um, Peter Manny and Keelan Doris back on the bench. Um, like interesting, you know, all interesting stuff. I think we'll actually get a bonus point on uh, on Saturday or on Sunday. I think a bonus point win. Yeah, I think it dep- depends there on the speedy the speed of the attack and if we can get across the game line. <laughs> You've been trying to get that in since the start of this conversation. <laughs> It's my only oh, note. I think it might actually be more down to stopping England getting across the gain line, but sure. Um, so it's a point raised nonetheless, does it? Yeah, valid point. Um, no, interesting stuff. Um, in the other two games, it's Scotland, Italy. I think um, Italy will take a lot from their game against France. Played some lovely rugby. Uh, nobody gave them a chance after France beating England and they pushed them to the pin of their collar, but you'd still be expecting Scotland to beat them above in Murrayfield. Do you reckon Italy can pull one out of the bag? I really want them to after the way they played against France. There's yeah. some great, there's some great ball carriers there in that back row. They yeah. do, in fairness. No, they do, and they're and they're playing some nice rugby, nice offloading rugby, and like doing for the most part the right thing at the right times. I mean, we spoke last week's podcast about like trying to take points when they should have gone to the corner. Big mistake at that time of the game, but I think that's what you lose when you're missing the likes of Parise, who's a natural leader, and you're trying to get other people to step up to that mark. But hey, they're playing with no fear. Scotland, geez, if Scotland lose to Italy after the two performances they put in, they'll be fair about it. They'll be, they will be. Yeah. I think this will be a very competitive game. Yeah, I'll watch it anyway, you know. <laughs> Again, as, as we spoke about in the GA, it could be very weather dependent as well. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say the conditions could play into Scotland's hand up there. It's always windy in Murrayfield. Well, yeah, it's Scotland. Oh, the swirling wind. Um, Wales and France is in the second game of the day on Saturday. Um, Wales hoping to get back on track. France looking for three from three. Another, another big battle. That, yeah, it's a very big game as Wait, well. It's a tough one to call. Wales are really good at home, though. I, like, I, I do think that Wales will beat France. Um, I think the last 10-15 minutes could be could be uh, a big tell. Yeah. France will be very physical, but if they can see, I don't see them being able to see out the whole eighty. Yeah, France have been like playing a lot of rugby out of their own half and out of positions that you'd ordinarily kick for touch from, just clear it. Um, if France try that against Wales, they could be punished. Um, can see it being a quite like the close the the close roof in oh god they in the Principality been. Stadium. Uh, you could see running rugby, lots of lots of tries, hopefully. Uh, two bonus points from tries 
Quite possibly, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. I, think, I still think Wales would have too much for him, but um, we just see that like that Welsh support is world famous. Like we just see if they're within touch with ten fifteen to go, it'll get them over the line. Cardiff's a great stadium as well. Yeah, I that mean, extra five percent boost you can give the players, especially with that roof on. Oh, it just encases yeah. the whole thing. It's brilliant. Yeah. In our other sports news roundup. Um, I hate saying it, but McElroy bottled another one. Leading joint leader went into the last round. I think he shot a, a two over par round. It seems to be a recurring theme. Like I wouldn't be the I wouldn't follow golf the closest, but anytime I seem to hear about McElroy, he seems to build up a lead or be in contention. Yeah, it's, it's coming his, into the weekend, say, and then just it's, his, four, it's his fourth round. It seems to kill him. He's always in contention for the first three. I mean, I'm just looking at um, the leaderboard from. Um, the first day of the WGC event in Mexico and he's, he's leading by two shots um, after shooting the 64 in the first round or 65 yeah. um, like incredible to see definitely one of the best golfers in the world but just can't like I know we, we Natalie can't get over the line but fails to get over the line more times than he gets over the line so it's going to sound like a strange question for golf is it a stamina issue like he seems to get through two it's all a mental thing yeah. Oh yeah but mental stamina like is he just he's yeah. lose concentration or something come the fourth day because possibly do you know who I was this uh, um, Padraig Harrington he was on with uh, Tommy Tiernan uh, there last weekend and yeah. he was saying how he was always known as the nearly man that hmm. he he was he finished second for years and years and years and he, he feels he wouldn't have been the golfer that he was without Coming second, without often. coming second, he said he learned more in his losses than he did in his winning. Well, that's that's a typical sporting analogy, anyway. That you do learn more from your losses. Yeah, but I've heard that from a few people now across various sports. Yeah, Harrington is Harrington's a different fish altogether. Like, I mean, oh, Harrington is completely different. He had, I think, a sports psychologist with him since he was about seventeen or eighteen. Like, he, like there's a story going around that uh, Harrington has used eight, used eighteen different pairs of glasses in one season and the man has 2020 vision yeah like that's wasn't he he was promoting it there once it doesn't need a laser eye surgery you know so like I, I just I don't know I don't but understand like he changed everything he changed his swing he changed the whole lot after winning three majors so that's that's a different ball game altogether like McElroy I do think it's it's a mental thing he's by far and away like one of the best golfers in the world definitely one of the most talented um, for sure and he shows that week in week out he just doesn't seem to be able to put those four rounds together consistently enough to be called the new tiger do you think it stems back to that masters that seemed to be the first high profile one that I think we all remember like that and that was it was tough to watch was I know on, he's, was he's, it on the 10th he's won big tournaments since he has but that seemed to be the the catalyst for it'll, it it'll be interesting like let's let's talk about it next week after this WGC event yeah, I think he may need to win a Masters to get it off his back. Cause I think that one's going to play on him every year. Yeah. He goes to Augusta and he's going to be standing at that tee box. And you're yourself waiting for your yeah your playing partner to go and you're just replaying that shot in your head. Like That has to be tough. Yeah. If McIlroy hadn't all had such success when he was younger, do you think we'd be calling him a bottler now? No. Or have I we just think built... So. I think he said, he said just to stand up for himself. That time he won the US Open, didn't he break the record? Was he 18 under par? 17 mm. under par? Like you set that standard yourself. Yeah, it's, it, it's expectation, I think. Yeah. Um, and not living up. I mean, like, I sat down to watch the final round last Sunday night. And, like, within five, six holes, you're kind of sitting there going, ah, this, this guy is done. Yeah. Like, everyone else around him. Now, it was a really, really tight leaderboard. There was, like, 10 or 11 players that were involved that could have won it. But again, it was like, while everyone else was parring and birdieing, McElroy was getting a couple of bogeys early on. and just leaving himself with too much to do I think he gets highlighted more as well by the fact that golf is always a sport where you lose a lot more than you win yeah yeah yeah. yeah. Like you see you've what 70 something 80 people competing in a tournament there's only one winner yeah and it's, it's and everyone else is a bit disappointed but it's it's horses for courses as well I mean you can go out this week and play a course that suits you down to the ground mm. like goes the, the right direction and whatever and then next week you can go out and not like a course at all and miss the cut so I mean that's that's the great thing about golf that like there are so many different players that can actually win a tournament in any given week yeah but what's frustrating with McElroy is he'll go out and he'll beat that golf course 
yeah, yeah. for the first three days and then and the then fourth day it's like himself. he's forgotten how to do it yeah he beats himself a little bit you know so um another story that just kind of stood out to me um crowd trouble after the league of ireland first round or well first weekend of the game uh Bowles versus shamrock rovers um outside the stadium afterwards like fans fighting with each other fighting with guards like it's not unusual though, is it? no it's a bit mad though isn't it first game of the season like you expect in ireland like it's probably it's different in England UK we've been to games where like away fans are sent one direction stopped and held on buses and whatever else but you expect from sporting fans in Ireland that you're able to go to games and enjoy them without without trouble no matter what the sport yeah it, that could have been kicked off by something as simple as like someone had had a few too many drinks and said the wrong thing to the wrong person who had also had too many drinks and a bit of a fight kicked off and they happened to be opposing fan. you know anything like that can it was outside the stadium like as well though was it yeah, after the game. So like, there's maybe. nothing to say that these people were even at the game. Oh. Well, yeah, but it just seems to be the way with soccer, doesn't it? I mean, if it was a Munster-Leinster match and there was a fight happened, it wouldn't get the same coverage? See, rugby is completely different. We've, we've been to rugby games and it, there's, it's, more, it's more of a banter atmosphere yeah. as opposed to a, a hatred. Yeah, it, just, it, it sickens me to see it, especially like Bowles and Shamrock Rovers are two of those teams that are going to be vying for the title this year. So, um, interesting to see whether that continues as a trend throughout the season. It seems to be a trend anyway. Yeah. Um, it's only, and again, certain teams, Dublin derbies and the likes, I suppose. Um, another one that caught my eye is um, Israel Falau made his, uh, his debut for Catalan Dragons. Much, much faunted signing and, like, the jury's still out on whether it'll be a good signing by Catalan or not. But uh, a lady in the crowd had a rainbow flag and she was asked to put it away. Now, for those of you who don't know, Israel Falau has uh, had a bit of an issue with a statement he made regarding the the gay community. Um, and, uh, yeah. That they just asked, was there anything wrong in the flag? Or was it just a, a normal pride flag? Or seems like it was just a normal pride rainbow flag. Um, and she was asked to put it away by a steward. Strange, yeah. Maybe they were just like trying to cover all their bases, but still seems like you know something a club shouldn't have been doing. No, but maybe the, maybe the club was trying to avoid uh, controversy. Yeah, I'd say that's probably what it was. They just didn't want to want it to become an issue, so I tried to keep the flag out of sight, and in yeah. doing so, it became an issue. So a club that definitely aren't trying to avoid controversy is Wigan Warriors, who have dedicated their home game against Catalan Dragons later in the season as Pride Day. Yeah, why not? So they're going to give out pride flags to every one of their yeah. uh, supporters coming in. So Have they said that? Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> it's an official thing. It's it's on their website and everything. So that'll be an interesting one. Will uh, Will Catalan Dragons even bring Israel Falau to the game that day? Gives them a decision you know, to he's, make. He's going to get abused one way or another. He's so. going to play on Israel Falau's mind as well. I mean, if it's an opportunity to get into the mind of an opponent, why not? Yeah. Good opportunity now, from Wigan. No doubting no doubting he's a class act no doubting like as a rugby player he's a class act but it goes back to like something we spoke about or will speak about um <laughs> it's like your belief system and what way you're brought up yeah but you know so yeah i don't know you just can't really go around saying things about other no, people's not not in this day and age the situation like not in this day and age each to their own and yeah if you're going to do that and someone's going to be asked to put away a rainbow flag attention's going to be drawn to it and yeah uh, last news story I suppose is the, the big fight this weekend Tyson Fury versus Deontay Wilder 2 um, it's kind of the, the rematch after the controversial draw back in 2018 so yeah should be interesting big Tyson, fight. Tyson Fury is always um yeah, entertaining e- even in the build up if nothing else I'm a big fan of Tyson Fury yeah. I wasn't always but like you got to be a big fan of a man who's able to come back from the mental health issues he's had like from the ballooning weight he had and come back and compete and just you know be like just seems, seems like an all around good guy yeah huge respect for him um, it's someone I'd like to actually have a conversation with you know that'd be nice if you're listening Tyson yeah 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 give us a shout there yeah, we'll be, best of luck the weekend best yeah. of luck good man uh, yourself that's the end of our sports news for this week sports news roundup Joe 
what have you got for us this week? Oh, for my mystery topic. Um, so I was thinking about this when I heard rumours of Man City being stripped of titles. And I spoke to a couple of United fans who were not too keen on being awarded a title that um, that City had already won. And I can't even feel the same about the one that they're talking about awarding Liverpool. So this came to my mind. It was a 1992-93 French league, the Ligue 1. Uh, Marseille had won the league by four points. What year was it, Joe? Uh, 1992-93. So, incidentally, it was the only season when a French team has ever won the European Cup. Marseille won the first Champions League. But they were denied the chance to win a double when they they had the title stripped off them. And now, this was a brilliant Marseille team. They beat AC Milan in the Champions League final. AC Milan had Van Basten, Lentini, like I think Frank Rijkaard was still there. Um, when they won the Champions League, uh, Fabian Barthez was in goal, and he's still the youngest keeper ever to win it. And Didier Deschamps was the still the youngest ever captain to win it. But um, there was allegations that their president Bernard Tapie had bribed Valenciennes so that they'd be able to wrap up the title earlier. But say Valenciennes would lose on purpose to Marseille and focus on the Champions League final so the Champions League win was kind of tainted in the aftermath but um, these allegations came out about three days before the Champions League final hmm. um, so Valenciennes players came out including uh, Borrachaga who scored the winner in the 86 World Cup final for Argentina he came out saying that um, a couple of the Marseille players had offered them a quarter of a million francs to take the foot off the gas is the quote um, so anyway there was an investigation launched into Tappy, the president and Marseille were stripped of the league title but they got to keep the Champions League so it was still the only French team ever to win it and they were relegated to the second division and they were banned from Europe for a year so it was actually the only year where the Champions League winners weren't competing in the tournament again thinks back to what we were saying about Man City earlier mm. Um, so what was actually possibly the most interesting part of this was the fact that uh, PSG finished second and they finished just ahead of Arsene Wenger's Monaco and they were offered the league title uh, but Canal Plus the French uh, TV channel had purchased PSG in 1991 and they were afraid that if PSG were given the title that their viewing would have plummeted outside of Paris so they refused the league title and it was left vacated it has no winner strange enough isn't it yeah it was an odd one jeez that's interesting no Joe yeah so there was no winner of the French league in 1993 well like even though they went on to win the Champions League so well in theory they couldn't really refuse to take the title they did once once it's taken (laughs) off someone it goes to the next person it's offered huh it's offered offered. if it happens to Man City that they get titles taken off them like it would be offered to United in 2012 Liverpool 2014 would have just imagined that it would just like it's like a that it would be bestowed yeah no you can refuse it apparently strange enough one yeah it was an odd one I thought uh, especially for something like that it was like a league like it was competed throughout a number of months I imagine yeah and PSG only ever had one league title before that Mm. so like would have been their second league title and to refuse it even though it was very much a financial decision by their owners yeah. rather than a club decision. I'm sure they'd have been delighted to take a league title. Sure, yeah. But yeah. An interesting one. Left vacated. I'm sure Arsene Wenger would have snapped it up if they offered it third place. <laughs> More than likely, yeah. I'm sure he got a Champions League spot out of it, didn't he? That's what he does best. No fear of him. Very good, very good. Dylan is here with a, another episode of Bamboozled. Yeah, we're here again, lads. Bamboozled, that time of the day. Uh, <coughs> yeah, this one, it's not really themed, I suppose. Uh, to be honest with you, it's a bit random. But, uh, I think that's the way we like it here. Dylan has been uh, very guarded in the build-up to this bamboozled. Yeah, I think it was the last week or week before I told you the team, and I, I reckon you were doing research. So. James was anyway, wasn't he? <laughs> just we all know that. He's just been a little bit bitter because I finally won. No, I would, that <laughs> a round of bamboozled. That wouldn't be in my makeup at all. That wouldn't be bitter. 
Right, throw him out. Joe's first. Youngest goes first, same as always. I'm still younger. <laughs> I think you're a little bit older than last week, but you're still the younger. <laughs> right, Joe. Uh, first question. Right, so we spoke about Man City there. Yes. Uh, Pep has been manager of Man City since the start of the 16-17 campaign. Yes. How many Premier League Manager of the Months, Manager of the Month awards has he won? Oh, um, I'm going to say oh, I'm torn between three or four. I'm going to go with four. It's seven. Oh Jesus! Fair seven. Play. Yeah. Uh, February. Uh, February, months. September, October, November, the seventh, December of twenty seventeen. And then he had February and April of 2019. Geez, that's very good. Yeah. So Sorry, Pep. No points for you, Joe, unfortunately, there. Uh, James, so again, how many Premier League Player of the Month awards has Aguero won during his time at Man City? I wonder, is there any correlation between, <laughs> between the two? Um, Player of the Month awards. When did Aguero... Sign for Man City. Two thousand eleven. Well. Nineteen. He's won seven. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I should have gone with my first thought. <laughs> uh, his first was in October of two thousand and thirteen. He then had November of fourteen. He had January and April of twenty sixteen. January of twenty eighteen. February of twenty nineteen. And January gone. January 2020. Well, fair play. Seven in total. So, no points each there. It's fair. Unlucky ways. Uh, Joe, your second question. Uh, so, he had Storm Dennis during the weekend. So, Correct. I had. Uh, what I want to know is which Dennis made the most league appearances for Manchester United? Erwin or Law? Oh. Oh. I would reckon there's not a I'm sorry I'm, I'm, I'm thinking there's not a whole pile in it either but I'm thinking there would have been more games per season come the 90s and Dennis Irwin I don't think was he ever injured <laughs> I'd say he'd have played just about every game I'm going to go Dennis Irwin you're correct yeah good man Joe uh, he had 368 Law had 309 yeah that's what I thought to be honest <laughs> fairly close uh, James your second question um, how many Heineken Cup titles did Dennis Leamy win with Munster two two indeed yeah like the Dennis team for the round two of questions yeah hey a lot of thought went into that no, I can imagine so yeah uh, yeah Dennis Leamy with two there in 2006 and 2008 uh, Joe, your final question. On down to the final round, Joe. Oh. Um, so, uh, last Sunday, just gone, um, we had the NBA All Star Game. In which city did it take place? Oh my, I don't have a clue. Um, just gonna guess New York. No, Joe. Chicago. Chicago. Ah. First time in 31 years. Chicago, right. <coughs> uh, James, this is this is to take the mantle, right? Your final question. How many Irish players are on the books of clubs in the AFLW? Oh. There are three that I know of, which means there's probably more that I don't know of. <sighs> That's good logic there, Jim. <laughs> Five? There is a total of 18. 18? Yeah. Wow. So that with 18. finishes in a draw. Not a draw. Fair play, boys. Good show, Thanks for that, gents. Thanks. Good questions. 
Um, moving on to our final segment as always which is our take five segment where you the listener get to pitch your wits against our our expert selections our take five first game of the week is England versus Ireland in the Six Nations I myself have gone for an Ireland win I think they'll win with a bonus point what about yourself Joe? Um, I've also gone for an Ireland win but I don't see it being a very high scoring game Oh, sorry. Uh, I've gone for an Irish game. Sorry, I forgot we weren't doing scores anymore. <laughs> so we're all gone for Ireland there. Yeah. Uh, game two. Um, and there'd be a bit of um, division here, I'd say. Cork and Limerick in the hurling. I'm, I'm personally going for a Limerick win. I think it'll be eight or nine points in it in the end. Dylan? Uh, I have also gone for a Limerick victory there. I've got a Cork win. I don't think there's any surprise there. The Cork men sticking with yeah. the Cork coach, yeah. I think they've got a good fighting chance. I think they'll make it by about two points. Um, in Premiership football, we've got Leicester versus Man City. Joe, what are your thoughts on that one? Whoa, I love a good draw. I'm going to go with a draw on this one. <laughs> go in, Joe. I've gone for a Manchester City victory. Um, and I personally went for a City win as well so um, a Man City win sorry not <laughs> seen as uh, both of them are, are a City um, game four is Dublin versus Donegal in Crow Park in the National Football League I'm actually going for an upset here I think uh, I think Donegal by a couple of points um, just don't think Dublin have fully hit their stride yet so Donegal for me Dylan I've gone for a Dublin victory. I've actually gone Donegal as well here. Again, gone for an upset. Um, Shane uh, pulling one out of the bag. Last game of the week, Wales versus France on Saturday evening in the Six Nations. Dylan, what do you think? Um, I believe that France are going to win. France win for Dylan. No, sorry, Wales, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. It's a 50-50 call there. Uh, yourself, Joe? Uh, well, I've backed France from the start of the tournament, uh, so I'm going to stand by them. Uh, I think France is going to power through on this one. Yeah, I'm going to go for a, a Wales home win, given it's the the Millennium Stadium, as it's, it's fondly known. Um, I bamboozled myself there. <laughs> <laughs> for anyone who wants to enter our competition to win a sideline cut beanie, uh, go on to all our social media channels it'll be up there pick your um, pick your selections and send them back to us and all who get all of the selections correct will go into a draw and someone will win a sideline cut beanie they're class um, by the way class beanies that's just all. what you need coming into summer <laughs> that's all we have time for this week remember to check us out across all our social media at sideline underscore cut on twitter and instagram and at the sideline cut on facebook you can also email us on sport at the sidelinecut.com. You can just say, James, enjoy your travels. Yeah, I'm away for a few weeks with work in inverted commas. So, uh, right, we'll, we'll hold on the fort here, James. Yeah, so James, James touched together a couple of episodes without me. No, James touched on it earlier. We have, we have a few pre records done, so uh, yeah. you'll, you'll, you'll hear James's opinion still. <laughs> yeah, not that you want there or anything. Sorry, we'll edit him out, don't worry about it. <laughs> That's all for this week. Thanks for listening. Cheers, take care. All the best.